Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on Rock Metal Podcast, we have Matt Long and the Revenant Ones, and they have a new album called The Other Side, which was released on July 16th, and right now I'm being joined by Matt himself to share some more information about what it feels like to be a saint and have your say. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me again, John. It's a pleasure to be back. Absolutely, and if... Anybody out there who is following the show so intently that they know it better than I do, <laughs> then you'll know that Matt was on February 17th, episode 895. So if you're on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you're at, go ahead and search for episode 895 or just type in Matt Long or The yeah. Revenant Ones or and The Revenant Ones. Sorry, it's not Matt Long or The Revenant Ones. That'd be an interesting band name, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like you, you, show, you show up to a gig and, and it's either just me or just the drummer and the bass player. You, you, you can't get both. <laughs> can't get both, guys. It's me or them. <laughs> Where we chatted, actually, about this album. And at the time, you said, we don't know when we're going to release it because we don't know what's going on. Yes, absolutely. It was very uh, uh, treacherous times we were in and we couldn't, we couldn't guarantee anything. We didn't know anything. So we didn't want to say yes to anything just in case we were wrong. But uh, yeah, here we are six months later on, and I can say it is coming out in two days' time as of Wednesday the 14th, so Friday the 16th, it'll be out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So by, so. The time, by the time this episode airs, if you're listening in, you're watching, wherever it is you're doing, you're watching on the website, on YouTube, you're listening on Spotify, stop right now. I mean, obviously listen to my show, <laughs> but yes. also stop. It's not or, it's and, you know, so the Rock Metal <laughs> Podcast and the new album, go listen to it. Yes, we're uh, very excited. Yeah, really good stuff. Something that I was, I was listening back again to the stuff, um, and I, I dig it. Because the funny thing is, I look at your pictures, Matt, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of those blues bands. This is like a, <laughs> a roadhouse blues band. They're going to try and sell me on something. And then I listen to your music, and I'm like, man, you guys are like really sweet, edgy, juicy, crunchy, sexy rock music. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's, it's not an a unreasonable thing to think the, the initial thoughts, because I am in a blues band as well and blues is a big thing for me a big part of my life so i do get why people kind of think that as well but i did want to make sure this band was definitely in the rock vein of things like the heavier side of things a lot more because that's my my other love is heavy rock music heavy metal music things like that and um yeah so i I do get why people sometimes are like oh yeah that's that guy from that blues band this would be a slightly different blues band but no it's definitely a different kind of band (laughs) (laughs) this will be more depressing blues than the other. Band. <laughs> yeah. The fish that the fish fry will be different for this blues band. Uh, yeah. Cool. Now, I guess one of my one of my cool questions for you is: blues to rock, really not that far off musically, right? But for a lot of people out there, they're like, man, like those are two different worlds apart. So I'm kind of curious: do you show up with a different guitar? Do you show up with a different overdrive pedal? How do you go from blues to rock? Is it as simple as neck pickup to bridge pickup? What happens? <laughs> um, actually, surprisingly enough, uh, not a huge amount changes, um, mainly because I can't afford to have two different rigs going on um, because uh, I'm, I'm a young man and I'm a musician, so it doesn't mean, that means I make no money. A, a, true, <laughs> a true blues player at heart. You have no money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So um, I kind of got a rig that can do basically everything that I wanted to do, including the blue stuff and then all the way through to the heavy stuff. Um, the guitars, 
as much as I would like them to change, they don't at the minute until I can afford to get a Revenant One's guitar. Um, so it's basically just whatever one has got the freshest strings on it. I'll bring that onto the gig. And even as far to say as the band members are exactly the same in both bands, which is um, really interesting because definitely you, you, we still play completely differently and it still feels completely different um, despite having pretty much all the same members minus one person. Um, it just, you know, I get it, we're just in the different mindset of each band. We're in the, the blues rock mindset and then the heavy rock mindset depending on the gig. Um, and it literally means we could be in the middle of a blues tour with, with Catfish, the blues band. And if there's a day off in the middle and someone's like, hey, I want you to do a Revenant Ones gig, I can, we can literally just go off to that gig there, do a Revenant Ones gig. Uh, Paul, the keyboard player in Catfish, can have a, have a break and sit at the bar and have a nice time um, whilst we play a Revenant Ones gig. So it is a, such a, it's like a Swiss Army knife kind of situation going on. We can fit in pretty much anything we go in. And my, my rig is the same kind of thing as well. It can literally just do everything I need it to. So it's kind of handy having the same things every time so you're, not, you're a bit less confused as to which ones you have per gig and the whiplash and all that kind of thing going on. So uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're complaining about not having a guitar, but if you look to your right, you'll see at I, least I, five. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. These are all uh, very, very blues-central guitars is the thing. I, well, I'm kidding. Well. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's, it's, uh, I know, but I want, I, I want to get a very specific-sounding thing for... Um, Revenant ones. I have an idea in my mind. And once I have an idea in my mind, I'm like, nope, nothing else to do. Got to have that one. Yeah. This, but, uh, this yeah. Telecaster would never do in this song. No. <laughs> no. The, the ironic thing is, the guitar that I would like is the same as my Catfish guitar, but just black. That's the that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Uh, as soon as I get the funding for that, I will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you could yeah. just grab one of those and paint it black, but that's that's not as fun. Could do. That's not as fun. Man. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, cool. Actually, I, I bought a used guitar a couple weeks ago, and I was looking for something else. It came up on the classified ads. Here in Canada, it's called Kijiji. Mm-hmm. Uh, in these states, they have Craigslist. There's all different. I don't know what they have in the UK that's really popular, right? But uh, we got we got Craigslist, Craigslist as well. Uh, some sort of things, eBay. Yeah, all those kind of places. Yeah, yeah. It's a online online classified ad. So okay, I was looking for something else. I came across. I was like. Ah! I would love that guitar. And then I was like, so, you know, out of curiosity, I'm not in a hurry. Hopefully you're not in a hurry because I'm not in a hurry. But why are, you, no, no. Yeah, why are you selling the guitar? And he's like, well, it has an EMG81 in it and I want to put a Fishman in it. So I'm just going to go buy a guitar with a Fishman. And I was like, why don't you just put a Fishman in it then? Just, mm. just solved your problem. He's like, well, I'd also like it to be green. I'm like, well, then you should paint it green. I just solved your problem again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like <laughs> I do agree with you, and there there is a big part of me that would like to do that to a guitar one day. Just like kind of take it apart, put new things in it, paint a different color, make it a radically different thing. But then, arguably, by the time you've done all that, you probably would have spent just as much money as you would do getting another guitar, which can do that thing. And then you also would have this, the old guitar the same way. So it's I don't know. That is, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but yeah, yeah. That is exactly why I ended up buying it because uh, I was thinking about going, putting a set of EMGs for an active sound into one of my guitars, but I was really hemming mm-hmm. and hawing because then I would lose what that guitar had. And I thought, well, hold on a second. For about the exact same price, I could just buy a whole new guitar that already has one in it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's either strip a whole guitar away from what it's supposed to do or 
buy another guitar and have two guitars. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll have, I'll have two guitars, please. I know. And then my <laughs> wife was encouraging me. She's like, no, it sounds like you need more guitars. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever let her get away. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay. And then I just, I felt permission to go down into the rabbit hole and I was up on YouTube mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. listening to 26 different kinds of pickups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been there myself. It's, it's a fun place to be. <laughs> Groovy. Okay, now this album, I know we spent a lot of time, or maybe we did. I didn't listen back to the interview. I'm sure one of the Rock Metal Podcast fans who's wearing a Rock Metal Podcast t-shirt right now um, is say, telling me exactly what we chatted about in the last show. He's got the notes, but <laughs> let's, let's chat about it again anyway. This album, Absolutely. what is this record about? What did you set out to do with this album? I. It, it's difficult, because when I actually originally had the idea for this album... Uh, the idea of the band wasn't even around yet because it was originally going to be just a Matt Long solo project in a way. And uh, it was going to be, I would be there and then I would hire session musicians to come in and play my material. Um, so it was, all, it was very much like a, you know, ego trip kind of band for me a little bit. Um, just because I wanted to get like more of my own stuff out there and this, this certain material as well, there wasn't really an outlet for it. So I was like, okay, I'll just do a solo project and then I can do whatever I want. Um, but then the second I got Kev and Adam into a room together um, as the quote-unquote session musicians, we all agreed that was like, this is really fun, us three together, we really work together. So after a few gigs, we were just like, you know what, this is a, this is a full-on band, this is a, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. So we made it a thing. We turned it into, from Matt Long into Matt Long and the Revenant Ones. And so it is still, in essence, my material and kind of like a, it's all, it all stems from me, but it is a proper band now, which I really, really enjoy. It's just a, whole different vibe about it now and just really really enjoyable having these guys put their own thing into it as well so the album came about uh i think it was shortly after we did all that we were um in a studio uh, we had we got offered a couple of days in the studio by my friend dan lucas of salvation chain um a band from kent and he owns a studio so it was like yeah just come down for a weekend we'll record one song and uh see what you think if you if you like it you could do more stuff here you could do your whole album here and uh so we did exactly that and then yeah lo and behold we loved it and he was great to work with so we decided to do the whole album there um so it really stemmed from just uh lots of trial and error and kind of like the band maturing in a way it made us kind of think yeah we should definitely do an album and we should definitely be a proper band about it mm-hmm. so uh the reason why the reason why it's called the album is called The Other Side is it's kind of referencing what I was saying earlier about I was doing blue stuff for so long and I love my blue stuff. Um, you know, like, like, like I said, it was, it was, I was born and, born and raised on it and, you know, it's still one of the biggest things I, I do with my life right now. So I'm never going to let that go. But The Other Side... Never going to give you up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just got Rickrolled. Ah, uh, you see, uh, it's been 10 years since that meme and I still get Rickrolled. <laughs> <laughs> um... So the other side of it was my heavy rock and metal stuff. So that's why the album uh, is in turn, the, the debut album is called The Other Side, because this is the other side of what I do. Um, so that kind of fits in a way. And yeah, it, it's uh, it's about just uh, a lot of these songs, uh, some of them have been with me for years and just never been used in any capacity because I didn't have the, like I said, the right outlet for it. And then some of them were written as we were in the studio kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, just kind of, stemmed from the actual band itself so it's interesting having a bit of two a uh, bit of two together so I, I, there is like a underlying theme but it is just like 
me being like, okay, this is what I also do in, mm-hmm. in retrospect. So it's, all, it's a very personal album for me on the on, for me on the lyrical side of things. Like it's like a lot of my personal experiences about a lot of the things that I like or uh, a lot of the things that I dislike. It's very much from my own perspective in a way. So it's a it's an interesting concept for me, and I can't wait for people to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, incredibly good stuff. Really good stuff. <clears throat> and don't worry. You can always go from the blues to rock. Zeppelin did it. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will say right now that Catfish, uh, the quote-unquote blues band I'm in, is more a blues rock band. It is more in that vein of like Led Zeppelin, Government Mule, hmm. um, that kind of area, a bit more progressive kind of thing. It's definitely not straightforward blues at all, which we've gotten in trouble for quite a few times from the, blue, the blues purists and the blues Uh-oh. police and things like Uh-oh. that. And I totally get it. It's not traditional blues, but we'll never say that we are. So let's, let's just put it like that. And you just, just like, look at this. This is a boss blues driver or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is going into the amp. So therefore, the blues is coming out of the amp. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've got a Mesa Boogie Mark V, which is classed as one of the best metal amps of all time. And <laughs> I played that for a blues gig. What? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Sounds great. I, I wouldn't doubt that it sounds great. It's a great yeah, amp. Yeah. yeah it, it, again, it's like, that's like a Swiss Army knife of amps it just does everything so mm-hmm. that suits my knees right down to the ground yeah well that's a, an interesting conversation i guess to bring up mm-hmm. is amplifiers being pigeonholed mm-hmm. absolutely i think that's a a great topic of conversation because they always do get pigeonholed like you think fender amps what's the first thing you think of when you think fender amps like music wise i'm gonna immediately just as, as a studio guy i'm gonna immediately go to clean tone mm-hmm. absolutely just, Despite the fact that some of the gnarliest, sexiest, raunchiest, dirty tones that we've ever heard and celebrated have come from a black face or a bass man, even. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I 100% agree with that. It's just some of the, the best like heavy rock tones come from Fender amps and things like that and just putting pedals through them or cranking them up to as loud as they go. Mm-hmm. So they can literally do like the heaviest stuff you've ever heard. And yeah. everyone just thinks they're a clean platform for... For clean stuff and things like that, but you know, it's you know, it's whatever you make of it, man. That's that's what I love about it. It's yeah. whatever you make of it. Yeah, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. If we, I should do like a, a role, like in the beginning, where we, we, you know, we're introducing the show, and you're just like, whatever you make of it, just the way that you did it. It was so sexy. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that little sound clip. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll do it again, but with more reverb. You know, exactly. It's whatever you, it's whatever you make of it, man. It's whatever you make of it. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful i love it oh man a monster at this hour jeez louise oh yeah yeah <laughs> well i suppose it's different time zones for you i guess isn't it yeah so it's, it's yeah just woke up for- and had the kids off to the grandparents so that i could you know be professional and do the show yeah that's fair enough yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're, we're well into the middle of the day over here so all right <laughs> exactly okay what else is there to chat about as far as the album is concerned so is the mark five is that what we're hearing on the record uh actually for the record um dan encouraged me the the producer encouraged me to uh try out a few different amps especially for rhythm stuff like the um you know uh, the backing guitars things like that um so i was using actually a lot of a lot of it was a marshall jcm 900 800 900 one of those two I can't remember now. There's a picture of it on my Instagram. Such a big Instagram. difference between those two amps, Matt. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> one is great, um, the other is disgusting and should have never have been born. I know. I think it's the good one. I think it was the 800, <laughs> so it's fine. 
<laughs> it sounded good to me. Um, no, I think there, there was two different masters. I think one of them was an 800, the other one was 900. I think he tried blending them together and it sounded great. Of course. Um, we used uh, a Cornford amp for a little bit, uh, a Richie Cotson Cornford amp. None of them are being made anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting to play through. Um, a Selma amp, like a, a 70s Selma, which I've never, I'd never plugged into before, but Dan plugged me into that, put a massive fuzz pedal in front of it and an octave pedal, and it, was, it just sounded like Satan mm-hmm. to the point where the track was called Satan. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the audio track that had that track on the guitar on was just Satan. And one of the, my favorite things to do when we were in there was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think it needs more Satan. It does. Just <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was such a it was such a satisfying thing to do, and literally it was just like octave down, just like to like uh you know mm-hmm. it was just uh oh, just filthy sounds. So yeah. I did experiment a lot with that, and then a lot of the clean stuff. He was showing me a lot of his nice Fender amps and things like that, and uh, yeah, it was really nice just to kind of experiment about a little bit more. But all the lead stuff, um, all the solos, pretty much were all done on my. My Mesa Boogie Mark V. So that was a, uh, I think I wanted to keep because that is my, my tone, I guess. So I yeah. wanted to keep that in there. So yeah, uh, a little bit of me, but then a little bit blended of what Dan had in mind as well. And you know, I, I always say you should trust a producer because it's especially if they, he owns the studio and if he knows the studio and if he knows his amps. I'm just like, yeah, this guy knows how to make good sounds. In fact, actually, uh, the reason I went with Dan was because I heard a lot of his band stuff, Salvation Chain, and he obviously did all the recording for him, producing and things like that. And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to get that kind of thing going. Yeah. So I, I, I went into it trusting him, knowing that he's going to get a good sound, which mm-hmm. I think is a really, really like helpful thing to do. It really just like, takes a lot of weight off you knowing that you've got a producer who knows how to get you a good sound. It's just like, yeah, I know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many mm. things about that. It's just yes. All the yeses, yes. Matt. All of the yeses. All of the yeses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was recently chatting with a band that said, oh, we want a heavier sound. I said, okay, can you give me an example? <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I went to the track that they sent me, and I said, they're using an octave, either an octave mm-hmm. pedal, or they've tuned it down on the computer, either way, or they're using a whammy wah. They're doing something to mm-hmm. add in a track that's down an octave. And they were really shocked by that. And I said, it's been going on for years. I mean, just go through any tablature book. I've got one from Dawkins. And yeah. there's notes in there from you know 1984 saying that they were using the Boss octave pedal. To, oh, that's cool. Yeah, to get some heavier stuff in there. So that's and fuzz as well. It's a pretty pretty common thing. Um, and I had a hard time <laughs> believing. It. I said, okay, you know, in Sad but True from Metallica, where it's like it sounds really heavy and nasty whenever they go bow bow bow, like <laughs> that part right there was tuned down a baritone tuned down, so it was a full octave below through a lipstick. <laughs> A single coil, and they mm-hmm. called it the Hetfield God Sound. Oh, you, yeah. You call yeah. your Satan, they called his the God Sound. <laughs> but, yeah, newsflash for anybody listening in, Studio Trick, uh, if you want to sound thicker and heavier, especially on parts that call for it, if you do it on a part that doesn't call for it, it'll be a train wreck. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, down an octave, baby. And then, find a producer. Don't Don't go into a forum and then come back with a bunch of nonsense. When you mm-hmm. go into the studio, like hire somebody who's a professional who can help you. Absolutely, Just, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's, it was really important for me to be like I didn't want to do it the same way that I've been doing it with with Catfish the Blue stuff because it wasn't the same kind of sound. So I was like, I wanted to try something completely different. So I actually wanted to be like, I want to trust the producer because obviously before before it was all with my dad Paul, who's also in the band. So it was all very in house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very cheap too, but it took a long time to do it, and you know. 
there was always the opportunity to tweak it a little bit more. So it took fucking forever. Um, sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? I'm sorry. <laughs> you did. <already. laughs> I'm sorry. There we go. It happened. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it was just it's it's a great process to do it that way as well. But for this one, I wanted to do it completely differently and just be like, yeah, I want to put it in the hands of someone else as well. Um, but that person will have to be willing to listen to me and I'll have to be willing to listen to him mm-hmm. about what, what the tones are and what we're trying to go for. In fact, the first thing he did was when we got in there for the first time was he sat us down and he just said to us, right, show me some of your favorite albums that you like the production of. Like, you like the sound of it and what are you trying to go for in relation to that? So we did exactly that. We showed them a whole bunch of albums from a whole bunch of bands that we liked, uh, I think I remember showing him a bunch of Alter Bridge stuff, but also a bunch of like Led Zeppelin stuff, things like that, a lot of old school things, but new, but also modern things. And we said, we want to get right in the middle of that. And he said, yes, I know exactly what I need to do for that. And he was like, you need this, you need that, you need the other. And I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly it. Yeah. So trust your producer or find a producer that you trust, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made me think of Mark Tremonti's custom amp, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm jonesing for one of them, I have to say. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and then you could, since your dad's in in Catfish, if I understand correctly, then it could be, yes. it, yeah, you, you could really kind of put a little jazzy twist on it. You call it Daddy Long and the Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, I hope he never hears this and he gets the idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> Pop Along would be a little bit different. Pop Along and the Catfish or Daddy I, Long I, and the... I, I got to say, he has actually got... Um, he loves like education. He's been uh, bettering himself over the whole bunch of last few years. He's got like a hist- degree in history, and he's like got a master's in uh, like music. And I'm like, you need to go for your doctorate in music, mm-hmm. so then you can call yourself Doctor Long. That's right. Isn't that just the coolest like stage name ever? Yeah. <laughs> just like I'm tempted to go for it. If he doesn't want it, I'll go just get doctorate in something and yeah. <laughs> just in go for it. Yeah. Underwater basket weaving. Yeah, absolutely. Be mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thesis on? Uh, we switched over to not making it in water. <laughs> That's my whole thesis. Just don't do it. Yeah. I just wanted to have my say. Okay. <laughs> cool. So there we go. Uh, Matt, I believe we covered everything. We talked about switching over from blues to rock, buying mm-hmm. new guitars. I rickrolled you. Uh, yep. We chatted about the Mesa <laughs> Boogie Mark V, the JCM 800, 900 octave fuzz, <clears throat> getting with a mm-hmm. producer. We chatted about the album, the process into the album. Uh, and then, again, for anybody who wants to check out the previous episode, is 895. So just look up Matt Long um, yeah. on, on the website, rockmetalpodcast.ca, and it'll pop up. And then you can enjoy both interviews, because actually the previous one did include the Revenant ones. Yes, Kevin Adam joined me for that one, but uh, they couldn't make it today, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, uh, it's it's uh, honor and a pleasure to be back and uh, to be included on a second episode of of your wonderful podcast. It really is. Why, thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for coming back yeah. on. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure. <laughs>